Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Back with you! Greg Sussman, it's Frank Stample, it's Mike Florio. We're your BFFs. We're filling in for Al Melchior here on the Fantasy Baseball Hour. It's our third day doing that. Our final day doing that. Big ups to Al. Hopefully he had a fantastic vacation. He'll be back tomorrow. So if you missed him, uh, you can catch him then. We appreciate your support. We are your fantasy best friends forever. Guys, let's get right back into it. We're back here live on digital as well. I want to get into the bullpen where we speculated a lot what was going on with the Royals bullpen, Frankie. And would it be Kevin McCarthy? Would it be Brandon Maurer? Well, Brandon Maurer had an opportunity, and he blew it. Kevin McCarthy, meanwhile, is still pitching the seventh inning, which means Tim Hill got a safe chance, and he converted it no problem. Is Tim Hill the guy to own in Kansas City? Yeah, that's what it looks like right now, and I know Mike brought his name up last week, and I speculated I think he might be more so uh, just like a lefty specialist, but they might view him as something more than that. Brandon Maurer, as you mentioned, look, the guy has not been great all season. Um, He hasn't really been great in his career overall, but he did have closing experience, so we thought there was a chance that they would go to Brandon Maurer. But as of now, uh, if I had to choose one of these guys, I would say Tim Hill's probably the guy. It might be matchup dependent. If there are lefties coming up, righties coming up. uh, But Tim Hill looks like the guy, actually someone that we, BFFs, spent $12 on over the weekend out of a $1,000 budget. So you think about that. I mean, the guy's going for dirt cheap. He's going for nothing right now. That was a league where we had Calvin Herrera. Uh, we need to find a way to continue to pick up some saves uh, now that he's a uh, setup man, or looks to be the setup man for the Nationals. And we got Tim Hill for uh, relatively cheap. Yeah, I was very pumped about that. I, I was shocked. I know it's Kansas. I know it's Kansas City. I know it's um, there's a lot going on there. But at twelve bucks in a thousand dollar league, Mike, it's a great buy. Yeah, it is. I do think it's not officially determined yet. As he got to save Friday night, and then they did go to Maurer on Saturday, who ended up blowing it. So I don't know if we have the definitive answer yet. Maybe uh, Yost is just trying to kind of find something that works. But obviously, right now you have to feel that Hill is. The lead candidate, because like you said, McCarthy was pitched in the seventh inning the other day, and if Maurer didn't convert to save and Hill did, you have to feel good about it. So I think I, I think we may have found a bit of a diamond in the rough there when it came to Tim Hill. Yeah, the old Kansas City Royals. Who knew? Plenty of save opportunities coming soon. Sam Dyson pitched again over the weekend for the Giants. Four-run lead, so not a save situation, but certainly a roll for a closer. And he allowed two runs. There was an error involved, but he did allow two more runs. Are you nervous, Frank, about Sam Dyson? I'm not nervous because I never liked Sam Dyson. I said, and I'm going to stick by it, that I thought Mark Melanson should get the opportunity to be the closer, mainly because they're paying him the money that they are. Uh, But we saw him convert a save opportunity as well. I just don't think Sam Dyson is a very good pitcher. Him and Mark Melanson are actually kind of similar. They pitch to contact, but Mark Melanson has by far 
uh, been the better reliever throughout his career uh, at the major league level, and he's had success as a closer. Obviously, we've seen multiple seasons with 50-plus saves. So, uh, yeah, I think Mark Melanson should get the opportunity to be the closer again. I just don't really have a lot of faith in Sam Dyson's stuff. Yeah, I, I get it. I know, Florio, um, we kind of figured out that it's going to be Mark Melanson at some point, although he's not pitching back-to-back days quite yet. And Sam Dyson's got a couple opportunities here, and he's kind of let him slip by the, way, slip by the wayside. Yeah, I was never on uh, Sam Dyson. I always said that he kind of worried me. And I, I stick by what I said last week. Once Mark Melanson starts pitching in back-to-back games and proves that he could be effective, uh, I think they will turn to him. He did get the save the other day, but again, he pitched that game and didn't pitch for three more days before pitching yesterday. So until we see him, them trust him in back-to-back games, which... I would expect them to start doing soon. I mean, he's made like nine appearances this year, so you would think like, all right, now let's start to push him a little bit. But until we see that, I think Dyson will be involved in that closer picture, but I don't trust him. Yeah, I I don't trust him either. I absolutely don't trust him either. Uh, For the Braves, I think... At least I did, Frank. I kind of saw this thing coming with Rodas Piscayano, who was out for a couple of days, and, oh, he'll be fine tomorrow. No, 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 he'll be fine tomorrow. And then tomorrow, he's on the DL, ultimately, because he has, has that soreness going on. So you were wondering who would be the closer between A.J. Minter and Dan Winkler. Dan Winkler got the first opportunity, and, and, and he got bombed. And then yesterday, the two-run lead, Winkler pitched the eighth. The Braves scored it was A.J. Minter pitching the ninth. He was saved for the ninth. And it's funny, I know late last week, you and I were talking, why do we still own A.J. Minter uh, in a league? And I believe it was Florida that chimed in. Listen, he's still the guy that's probably the, the safest rock, right? Like, he's one of the best handcuffs to have. And after Winkler got the first opportunity, it was A.J. Minter that got the second Pitching the ninth, A.J. Minter, the guy you want to own. I don't know how long Vizcaino will be on the DL for. It didn't sound like a very serious issue, but at least for the next week, A.J. Minter is going to get the saves in Atlanta. Yeah, and I, I remember telling you, like, I just think that he's probably the best handcuff. And look, to Erodi's Vizcaino's credit, he's been phenomenal this year. Yes, and I has. know we kind of came into the year anointing that Minter, you know, after, you know, it won't be long before he takes the job, but Vizcaino this year has converted 15 of 17 save opportunities, 30 three strikeouts in 29 and two-thirds innings pitched. A.J. Minter has been solid this year. I don't think not nearly what we expected out of him. Uh, serviceable 3.19 ERA, but uh, they could play matchups here. Winkler could be in the mix, but I think based on what you said, Greg, the way that they use these guys, uh, Winkler in the eighth, and then they scored the run, I think Minter would have been the guy in the ninth. So as long as Vizcaino is out, I feel safe saying that I think Minter is going to be the guy getting save opportunities in Atlanta. I do think it's worth noting on Friday when Vizcaino, I did not know he was unavailable coming into that game, but he apparently wasn't. Uh, Minter pitched the eighth and Winkler got the ninth, but he gave up the four and runs, blew the saves, and then Sunday we saw them flip-flop. So yeah, if Dansby Swanson doesn't hit that two-run home run in the eighth, uh, Minter picks up the saviors today and we're feeling a lot more confident. I think I agree with Frank. I think Minter is clearly the guy that is going to get the first crack going forward. Yeah, no doubt about that uh, here at this point. Brad Boxberger blew another save on Friday. It was an under and run, but he just kept walking, guys. Three walks there. Came back the next day, showing that they do have confidence in him still and picked up the save. Boxberger continues to struggle. This may be somewhere we look for a change. We said it last week. we got to keep an eye on it as we continue to deal with Houston as well. Ken Giles pitching the ninth on Friday, then gave pitched the ninth and a blowout on Sunday. Who knows there? Uh, the Orioles, you know, Zach Britton, Brad Brock probably getting traded at some point, so I'm not like fretting about that. And then I get to Philadelphia. 
where Sir Anthony Dominguez, the best pitcher in this bullpen, got the save Saturday for the Phils, came back the next day, and blew it late on Sunday night baseball. Sir Anthony Dominguez is the one to own, right, Floria? Yeah, and I, I stand by what I said again last week. I think he's him. He's one A. If you wanted to speculate on anyone else, I would go with Udube Ramos because he is the next best pitcher in this bullpen. But just because Dominguez is the guy to own, I don't think they're necessarily going to turn to him in the ninth inning every game. I believe yesterday when he blew it, it was actually in the eighth inning. So maybe they would have used him for two. We've seen them do that at times this year. But I do think this is going to be a headache until unless they acquire a clear cut closer i could see morgan getting involved and I, like like i said last week there's seven pitchers that have a save for the phillies this year yeah just remember what gabe kapler said early on in the season right like we'll find a guy to get the job done so he didn't really like even i i, I think it was opening day like he didn't really commit to hector neris yeah. he tried and tried and tried to go back to him but i really do believe that Appler is really just going to play the matchups here, uh, but I would put my money on Sir Anthony Dominguez getting the most save opportunities. Again, uh, like Mike said, unless they go in a different direction and try and trade uh, to acquire a more set closer. But Dominguez has been awesome, man. I mean, everything has advertised 98 miles per hour. Uh, given that he throws the ball so hard, it's interesting that his hard hit rate against is only 25%. So he is keeping opposing hitters off balance and has a good ground ball rate as well, something that you typically like to see out of your closer. So uh, I trust that he's the guy unless they go out there and make a trade. Those are your bullpen updates. We'll have more, of course, uh, tomorrow on the program. Uh, both on the Fantasy Best Friends Forever, and I'm quite sure Al will have more on the Fantasy Baseball Hour as well. Now, some other news. We talked about before the show, Frankie. We wanted to talk to everybody else about it. Travis Shaw thinks he can avoid the DL, but he left the game yesterday due to a wrist injury. I'm sure they're waiting for the inflammation to go down to get an X-ray and MRI on it uh, to see how serious it is. But are you starting Travis Shaw this week? Um, look, if you don't have a better option, if you're in a 15-team league... You might only get like half a week out of him, but I think, you know, in anything shallower than that, or if you have a serviceable replacement, like we play uh, in the GSC league, we have CJ Crone on the bench. We could opt to put him in as our corner infielder if that's something you guys wanted to do. Uh, maybe we should do that. CJ Crone has had his struggles as well, uh, but at least you know he's going to play. So Travis Shaw, I am a little bit worried about him. I wouldn't be surprised if he either plays like half the week or could even potentially land on the deal, although that hasn't happened yet. The streak's over, Mike. The streak ended on June 23rd. Which streak is that? CJ Crone's home run streak. Oh, yeah. He had a double the other night. He had a double I did see that. He, he, I thought of you guys. I was he, like, hey, not a home run. He hit a double on Saturday, and he ended the streak. The zero Babbitt streak from, like, June 1st on. Isn't that crazy? A zero Babbitt streak. Yeah. And as for Travis Shaw, I think it is, it's a little scary to, to mention, though, that he left this game. It wasn't, like, mid-game. He left mid-at-bat. Like he was in an O2 hole and was like, I gotta get, I gotta go. So I am a little bit worried. I do have him in a league outside of of the one that we share, and I just I don't have another corner infield. I didn't uh, make a, a move, so I'm gonna risk it with him. I know that are off today, and I'm I'm hoping that the day of rest helps Shaw, and maybe he needs another day and could get the final four games in the week or something like that. But he's been really well when playing really well, so I'm gonna risk it with Travis Shaw. Yeah, based on what Mike said, uh, there's a quote here from Travis Shaw. Quote. There's no way I could have kept going. So it doesn't yeah, sound great. Yeah, 100%. Uh, 100%. Um, we mentioned Zach Britton before, and we said that 
that we're not worrying about what's going on in Baltimore because they're going, theoretically, going to trade everybody. But he did get the save over the weekend. And speaking of over the weekend in Zach Britton, you did hear the Red Sox linked to Zach Britton. And the, this is the second reliever the Red Sox have been linked to, as you also heard them uh, linked to Brad Hand. It's interesting because you look at the Red Sox bullpen, and it's good with Craig Kimbrell at the back, uh, Joe Kelly in front of him. You had someone like Zach Britton or Brad Hand there. I mean, that's really, really helpful. Um, it will probably hurt both of their values because Craig Kimbrell's not losing the job. But, you know, Zach Britton, a potential fit for the Red Sox. Yeah, I mean, it would undoubtedly hurt both of their values. I mean, Brad Hand, that would really, really suck for fantasy owners. He's been one of the best closers so far this year, even playing on the San Diego Padres. That's something that we say every year. I mean, even if you're a closer on a bad team, you're still going to have opportunities to get saves. And I think Brad Hand has done a, a phenomenal job. Uh, it seems, just looking at the Red Sox bullpen, that they could use another lefty arm there. So whether it's Britain or Brad Hand, me personally, uh, selfishly, I, I kind of hope that it's Zach Britton uh, so that Brad Hand can stay the closer of, of the Padres. Although another team could go out and get him if they want. Yeah, sure. Um, Florio, you wrote here about the Mets giving Ahmed Rosario a, a mental break. And I find it interesting because he is a really young player. Um, this is a team that's obviously rebuilding right now. They've called up a bunch of young players, finally, although they still have Jose Reyes on the team. Um, who is who is playing over Ahmed Rosario? Do you agree with giving him a mental break? or is it, Do you believe, listen, it's a young player, just let him fight through it. Uh, I would just let him play. I mean, what's the, the harm? And I get it. You want to give him a couple days off to maybe think it clears his head. I don't know if that ever truly works. I, In fact, I think you can make the argument that that lets you think about it more. Yeah. Like you're on the bench now, sitting there, like thinking, "All right, well, I'm here because I haven't been playing well. What can I do better?" Right. Blah blah blah. When if you're on the field, it's like I know it's it's like player talk, but they really say like, "Oh, in between the lines, like I'm focused on that moment, that play. I'm not thinking about like I struck out two games ago or something like that." When if you're just sitting on the bench, you're like, "Oh, what do I have to do different?" I, I don't know, but th the biggest joke of all is the other day Sandy Alderson had like a I told you so moment about Jose Reyes, who was a below average bench player. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, and just looking at um, Ahmed Rosario's season, uh, since the start of 2016 uh, in his minor league profile, just looking at the batted ball, 345 BABIP, 433 BABIP, 377. That's from single A through triple A. This okay. year it's all the way down at 299. He's still hitting the ball on the ground just something he should do given the speed that he has. But I think he is a better hitter than this. In, in 245 this year, 248 last year, uh, he was clearly over 300 throughout the minor league level uh, as well. So I think he's a better hitter than this. Uh, in terms of you know him getting the mental break, like, all right, it is what it is. I just think overall for fantasy, like, he should be better than this. I'm expecting more out of him. And I think obviously like Mets fans and fantasy owners alike were also expecting. I do think he's better, but I also think it's worth noting, like, two-thirds of his home runs this year have come in one game. He's not stealing bases. He swings. He's way too much of a free swinger. There are a lot of holes there. Yeah, I mean, just a 3.2% walk rate, 21% strikeout rate. Um, you know, just not a lot of plate discipline there uh, based on what Mike said, too. Oh, look, and he's super fast. He only has four stolen bases, four caught Weird. stealing. So, like, it just... I, does he not know how to steal bases? I mean, some guys, it's like a field thing. Like, even if you're fast, if you don't know how to or when to run in the right situations, like, it's tough. Just because you're fast doesn't mean that you're going to be able to steal bases. And I think we're seeing that now with the Meta Rosario as well. Flora, we've got a minute left or so uh, before we hit the break. Um, I just wanted to announce that your boy's pitching today. 
Yes, it is Blake Snell Day. And oh, spe- no, 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 oh. no, 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 no. I was going to say, speaking of the Rays, did not you see Blake Snell that they sent the Yankees an invoice? Oh, yeah? For a speaker that Clint Frazier hit? Oh, I, thought you were, I thought you were kidding. No, no, no. They, they tweeted the Yankees an invoice for oh, a, a speaker. Oh, that's awesome. That, yeah. was, that was really cool. Uh, good job by them. Um, no, I know. I meant your boy John Gant. Oh, yeah. It is, in fact, John Gantz. We were speculating as if they may call up a prospect. Nope. They're throwing out old, reliable John Gant, like always. Sorry, Frank. It's an inside joke from, from when, when you weren't here. Sorry that I don't understand it, but John Gantz, I mean, maybe they should only pitch him against the Yankees, right? That's two times out. Yeah. Sorry, Greg. It's okay. It's right. Greg didn't like that joke. No, it wasn't a great joke. I mean, it's not a joke. It's real life. Yeah. I went to the game on Father's Day. We got shut out by John Gant. I know. John, John Gant's terrible. I guess the Yankees. The Yankees. <laughs> yeah. All right. Who are you benching next week or, or this week? In like, unless you have some players that started already, which is bad for you. But Anyway, we'll let you know who to bench tonight. The week begins. And we're talking about it next. Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Filling in for Al Melchior here on the Fantasy Baseball Hour. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Let it ride, Florio. If you enjoy playing daily fantasy sports but are sick of dealing with professionals using algorithms to select hundreds of lineups and entries, try the Props Builder tool at myboogie.ag. Forget having to create multiple lineups, ditch the hassle of dealing with late scratches, and avoid experts winning 90% of the money. Invest in the players that you want without salary caps. And if you sign up for a new account using the promo code FNTSY, you can elect an option to receive 50% deposit bonus with a rollover requirement. No more dealing with late lineup scratches, no experts to compete against, just you and the profit you choose. Go to myboogie.ag. The promo code is FNTSY. Sign up and choose your matchups using the Props Builder tool. That is myboogie.ag. The promo code is FNTSY. Okay. Florio, I have some news. And that is? Frank wanted to read you the Mets lineup tonight. And he goes, can I read this out loud? And I go, okay. Mike, have you seen it yet? No. I think it's relevant because obviously Brandon Nemo, uh, quote, avoided a significant setback. Uh, But we could talk about whether you should play him or not. Personally, I feel like you should be cautious with it and not play him as well. I don't know when we'll see him back, but he is not in the lineup tonight. Uh, Instead, it will be... Michael Conforto in center field, Jose Batista in right field, as Drupal Cabrera at second, Dominic Smith playing left field and batting cleanup, Devin Mezzarocco, Jose Reyes, Kevin Plawecki at first base, and Luis Guillerme playing third base. How do you pronounce it? New York Guillerme? Metropolitans. I mean, that's how it's spelt. 
That is how you pronounce it. I've never heard of him, Mike. Is he good? No, he is a defensive specialist who hits like little slap hits the other way. All right, so it's terrible. Is this the first time Dom Smith is playing in the outfield, Mike? No, that's been going on since uh, since he's been called up. Interesting. They're basically right, using him as an everyday left fielder. Dom Smith, huh? That's interesting. How do you feel about that? So they're I mean, just never going to call up Peter Alonso, huh, Mike? Peter Alonso's crushing it in AAA, too. I, I do think we're going to see Peter Alonso at some point this year. Yeah? But oh, so you've changed your tune, because I remember asking you about it, and you told me you well, didn't think that they would Well, I, I didn't think so, because Howie Rose said he had a source that said they weren't going to call him up. But if he continues to crush it at AAA like he is, how can you not? That, that's, uh, I, you just trust Howie, that's how. That's, that's my opinion of it. But yeah, I mean, this, this is basically the lineup. Outside of Todd Frazier... This is basically the lineup the Mets throw out every day. Why are we discussing the Mets? We always discuss the I Mets. I did not want to discuss up, the Mets. Frank brought it up. Just saying. Rick's just being salty. Mike, and being uh, salty. you own Brandon Nemo. Are you playing him this week? Uh, I have to make that decision. I'm debating between using him or Will Myers, who has really been struggling since coming back. Do you play the healthy Will Myers, Greg, or do you take a chance with Brandon Nemo? Great all year long, especially in points leagues. Probably Will Myers. Maybe. Yeah, I'll go with Myers. I agree with you. How's that? Not that there's much to base it off of, just like Brandon Nemo yeah. being hurt, and yeah, you don't it. know how much he's going to play. That's literally it. Obviously, it could affect his production as well. I mean, dealing with a finger injury. Listen, all I know all I know is that in one game, he's not playing. Mets have, what, six games this week? Right? Yes. All right, so he really, Brandon Nemo only has five. Yeah, and Will Myers also plays six games, three of which are in Texas, so that is a very good hitting environment. He's probably not going to play all six for come, right coming off the DL. But I know Brandon Nemo's playing five. So I, um, I you know will... Brandon Nemo's playing five? Yeah, he's on the lineup today. Not in the lineup. Yeah, but he can miss two, three games. I know yeah. at maximum he's playing five, oh, yeah, is what yeah, I'm yeah. saying. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I'm going to go, um, I'll go with Will Myers then. I agree. Yeah, cool. Um, do you want to give me an update? The, the Tigers and Athletics have started. Edwin Jackson's pitching scoreless inning. You have a no hitter? Another one? I believe he has another no hitter going, yes. Wow, through one inning. Yeah. Oof. How about that? Thanks, Greggy. Pretty cool. I'm not supposed to talk about it. I'm sorry. Uh, our boy, Carlos Rodon, eight innings pitch over the weekend. Seven hits, two runs. He walked nobody. Striking out just three. Yeah, obviously you want to see more strikeouts there, but a huge takeaway, being able to go that deep into games, the one thing that we said, or at least I know Mike has said about him, is that uh, you don't really expect him to go deep because he walks a lot of guys, the pitch count gets up. He's a better Roto League player because he's going to give you strikeouts uh, in Know, like a five, six inning span, but see him go this deep into this game and not walk anybody, I think that is a huge takeaway for Carlos Rodon. Yeah, uh, Carlos Rodon, uh, he was somebody that I really wanted, and we got him, and I was pumped about that. Florio, if he can keep those, just pitch under control and stay healthy, he's going to be a fantasy asset the second half of the year. No, I agree, and the walks have always been his undoing, so it's great to see that he went eight innings last night and didn't allow a free pass, but I want to see if he can obviously keep this up because it's very rare that, that we see him walk nobody. It's very, it's very, very strange. Let's see if he can keep that going, obviously, uh, as he continues on this season. Marcus Stroman returned off the DL, and he was somebody I really wanted to wait and see, and I expressed that late last week. Pitched well. Five, sh- five shutout innings against the Angels. I asked Florio last week, this time I'll ask you, Frank, if Marcus Stroman is out there, are you picking him up? Yeah, I would take a shot. Look, the, the guy the guy has so much of a track record where, you know, he's been good. Uh, some years he's outpitched his peripherals and others uh, he's been unlucky. But I think 
something that we've said about him is that it's somewhere in the middle, right? Like, he's not going to give you a low three ERA, but I don't think he's like a mid-four ERA pitcher either. So if he can pitch to a three seven three eight ERA, there's room for that in fantasy baseball in this pitching environment right now. So you want to see him uh, have better command than earlier on in the season, something he typically doesn't struggle mightily with, but you want to see better command. You want to see him get those ground balls up. Again, he's never going to be a guy who strikes out a ton of pitchers, uh, but again, he is better uh, in the points league format. So especially there, if he's available, I would definitely look at him in head-to-head points. All right, so there you go, Marcus Stroman. Both you and Florio said you're taking flyers on the Blue Jays pitcher. Dallas Keuchel faced the Royals. That was a recipe for success, Mike, as the last two outings have been against them, and he hasn't yet to allow a run. An earned run. He allowed two runs to start before. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree. I mean, if he could face them every every start, then he'll probably live up to the draft expectations that we all had for him. But in all seriousness, it is good to see him pitch well. Uh, I would like to see him do it against a team that is not from Kansas City and see if he uh, that success can translate. But again, those two starts, are they do they count the same as if he faced the Yankees. So you got some good fantasy production out of him the last two weeks, and you hope it continues. Yeah, the Kansas City Royals continue to be a team that you do want to stream against. Uh, we mentioned it earlier, the question from Leland, the Royals offense has been inept all season long. So it is good to see that at least uh, when Dallas Keuchel had good matchups, he took advantage of those. Good pitchers are supposed to pitch well against um, bad teams. And so I think it's a step in the right direction. But I do agree with Mike that we have to see him do this uh, for a sustained period of time and not against the Kansas City Royals. In one league where I own him, I believe he's facing Toronto this week. I could look that up for you. Uh, I he actually is. have him on the bench. That's right. So you're going to use this opportunity potentially to sell him high then? Like, look what he's done his last two starts. I mean, it depends what you could get for him, right? Like, I think his value right now is better than it's been for most of the season coming off these two starts. Uh, but if someone's willing to pay, like, top 30 starting pitcher value for him, then you could look to try and sell him right now if you don't trust it. Frank, speaking of top pitchers, I know you, for a while, in, in one of your leagues, you were looking for a top pitcher, and your move was to offer Charlie Blackman for, for uh, an ace, right? It's not happened yet. I mean, I'm, st- I'm still going to try, but... Is Madison Bumgarner, for instance, someone that you would consider? I would consider that, especially because this is a points league, too. Uh, Bumgarner has that reputation of being able to go deep into games. Pitch well last course. start out. Um, yeah, was his last start the one against the Padres? I believe so. And I know that's a very good start, but again, similar to Keuchel, I mean, it's a good matchup. It's the Padres, so, absolutely. Look, you're supposed to take advantage of that, and that's what Bumgarner did. Um, I think that's a fair trade, Blackman, for uh, Bumgarner, especially in the head-to-head points. Okay. You know, I could go out there and try and do it. You could try to do that. Um, I have uh, Keuchel on the bench as of right now. I have Mike Montgomery in instead of him. Facing the Minnesota Twins, who have not been great recently offensively. So that's why I have uh, Mike Montgomery in over. You guys agree? Versus the Minnesota Twins or Keiko against the Blue Jays? Keiko. Keiko. So we don't agree with you. Sorry. Yeah, I, I looked a lot into, you know, the last seven days, Team OPS, and like what the Blue Jays have done against lefties versus what. What the Twins have done against lefties, and a lot of it said to go with Minnesota, but I'll have to look it over again before uh, before lineups lock. Yeah, of course, and obviously you will. Flora, let me throw this out at you. So we talked late last week. You were pretty anti-Luke Weaver uh, at the end of last week. In this last start, five and two-thirds innings, allowed two runs, struck out nine uh, while allowing five hits and two walks. Is this a start of a turnaround, or just a happens to be a good start against the Brew Crew? Uh, I'm going to take it as it was one good start rather than 
it's a turnaround. Until I see him string together a couple of outings like this, then I would be like, all right. Like, if he does pitch as well as next outing, I'll be like, okay, the turnaround, this could be it. But nine strikeouts, season high, not going to take that away from him. Once again, failed to go six innings. He hasn't gone uh, more than five and two-thirds. Actually, yesterday was the first time he's gone five and two-thirds since May 22nd. And this is what I brought up the other day. It's since April, from April 19th on, he's gone more than five and two-thirds twice. So he's not going deep into games. His whip is really bad. Even yesterday in a good outing, the whip was still not – it wasn't bad, but it wasn't, you know, something that you write home about. The strikeouts are the big thing that, that get the – that kind of get you to look think twice about him. Like, all right, nine strikeouts. This is what we paid for him. He hadn't had a start all year with more than seven. So until I start to see him do it more than just once, I'm sticking by my, you could drop Luke Weaver. Can you drop Joe Musgrove? Drop Joe Musgrove. He's allowed 11 earned runs and 15 hits in his last two starts, not getting out of the fifth in either of them. Frank? I think, obviously, it always depends on who you're dropping him for. Um... It hasn't, it hasn't been good the past couple starts, so I can't even make any excuses for Joe Musgrove. But, uh, look, we saw upside earlier on in the season. Three of his first four starts, he went at least uh, six innings pitched. Very good in those. So it depends on who's available. If you want to take a shot on a two-star pitcher, that's fine. But I still think that there is some, uh, some upside there for Joe Musgrove. Not as good as we saw earlier on, but I do think that he's a guy that can pitch to a... No, mid to high three ERA, uh, especially doing so in PNC. So I don't think there's tremendous upside, but um, don't, I would try to hold on to it. Guys, do, do you remember a couple of weeks ago when he struggled against the Dodgers and I said, why are the Pirates messing with this guy? Yes. Because he threw his fastball yep. 46% of the time. Yep. Came back the next start, threw it only 23% of the time, pitched really well against the Diamondbacks. And has sucked his last two outings in which he's thrown his fastball 43.6 and 47.1% of the time. So in the three outings that he's pitched poorly this year, he has thrown his fastball uh, 43% or more of the time. In the three outings he's had that he's pitched well, it's been 34 or less. So I think we kind of see a recipe for success with Joe Musgrove, and we just he needs to stick to it, In order, I, I think. Uh, unless we start to see him you know, pitch that way and still pitch poorly, then he can go back to throwing his fastball half the time if he wants. But I want to see him, you know, really start to throw, not throw this fastball as much. And if this is a trend that's going to continue, then yes, I think you can drop him. Would, oh, all right, there you go. Well, right I now, was I'm going to ask him right now, like, would you drop him I'm right now? I'm not dropping him now, but I'm, I'm keeping a close eye on this trend. And if it continues another start or two, then I think you can drop him. Yeah, Greg, I'm looking at team pitching usage. And the number one team in baseball at throwing their fastball is the Pittsburgh Pirates, 64.6% of the time. Um, to put that in perspective, mm-hmm. the Astros are 23rd in baseball. They only throw it 50% of the time. So, again, that, that change that we've seen, um, Garrett Cole going from the Pirates organization to the Houston Astros organization, the Astros starting pitchers uh, throw their fastball 50%, yeah. or roughly around 15% less than the Pittsburgh Pirates do. And I've said it about Jameson Tyone as well. He's incorporated a slider. He has a curveball as well, but... Again, he throws his fastball way too much, and he becomes too predictable. Uh, it seems like the same thing has kind of happened with Joe Musgrove. It's just it's an organizational thing with the Pirates right now. Frank, I read that. Remember last week you wanted uh, one of us to read that Tyone article? Yeah, I don't really read, and I don't have the mm-hmm. athletics, so please tell us what happened there. Basically, he said, yeah, ever since the minor leagues, you know, it's always if you're going to get to me, you're going to get to me in the first inning, and his ERA in the first inning is atrocious. It's by far his worst inning. And they were like, so are you going to change anything up? And he was like, no. 
So <laughs> I don't really see much changing there. All right, Jameson Sorry. Tyone going to continue to be frustrating on a two-star week this week. Yeah, sorry. Well, maybe it'll go well. Too short week. Who knows? Um, I know. I'm not allowed to mention the Yankees, but Giancarlo Stanton went, what, five for five yesterday, two days ago? He was awesome. Re- reached reached um, on base six times. And I've said it a lot that Giancarlo Stanton, as much as he is taking a lot of crap here in New York City, um, if you look at those numbers, you're fine. And the OBP is not as high as you want it to be. But he's batting 262 now, thanks to the big game he had over the weekend. Betting over 400 over the last week. He's got 19 home runs, 46 runs scored, 44 RBI. This is fine. I know he's striking out more, but again, Frank, it's fine. It's fine, but it's all relative to expectation, Greg. I mean, the guy is coming off an MVP year where he's still a base to have over 40 home runs. Yes, but for what you paid and what you expected out of him, 59 home runs and 132 RBI last year in Marlins Park. I mean, we thought maybe there would be a transition period, but still expected. Probably closer to 50 home runs, 45 to 50. I know those are lofty expectations for any player, but when you hit 59 in Marlins Park, you know, rightfully so, you're going to have expectations in Yankee Stadium. You're right. I mean, he hasn't been terrible, and he's been much better in the month of June. He's hitting over 300 this month. He has eight home runs in June as well. So if he continues to replicate that the next couple of months, then there's a chance that he could get close to the 45 home runs. But again, I think it's all relative to expectations that you had for him coming Matt Modica brings it up all the time. Yeah. He's like one home run off of the pace he was last year. 100%. He brought it up last Friday, Florian. Yeah. It, it astounds me. And if but, there's any park he could get hot in, it is Yankee Stadium. He is hot. He's I, hot I, right now. I'll to get even more to hot, though. The, like, Giancarlo Stanton is fine train. Like, I've been defending him all year, and you guys know that. Yep. And I think he's going to have a big second half. Uh, and, and for what it's worth, in that span that Giancarlo Stanton is killing it, Aaron Judge is hitting 207. Totally. And striking out. 33% of it, yeah, bats. Totally, so like, totally, Florio. It's a natural thing in baseball. Especially for power hitters. They, yes. go, through, they go through slumps, yeah. they go and through And guys streaks. who strike out a lot, too. Like, it's going to happen to Judge. It's going to happen to Stanton as well. I mean, Stanton is striking out more this year. Sure. In but years it, past and but, last year specifically. But you but, know Judge is going to strike out. But you know what the crazy thing is? I just told you that Carl Stanton has 19, 19 home runs, right? Yep. Do you know how many home runs Aaron Judge has? 19, exactly. He's not, they have the same amount of home runs. Everybody loves Aaron Judge. Everybody hates Sean Carlos Stanton. I think. Aaron Judge's average, one second, Florio. Aaron Judge's average is 12 points higher. Now, the OBP is a lot higher, 60 points higher. But the average itself is only 12 points higher. They're striking out the yeah. same amount. He is walking a hell of a lot more, which is the major difference, which is why the OBP is so much higher. But you're talking about power numbers? They're the same. I think, I think a this big- is... Go ahead. Yeah, oh, you go, I think a big part of it, one, is Judge is like the golden boy. And even last year when he was terrible in August, everyone gives him a pass. But the reason I think Yankee fans get like upset with Giancarlo Stanton's production is because the Red Sox went out and made their own acquisition this year. And it's J.D. Martinez, who is the AL MVP right now. And they probably had expectations like that for Giancarlo Stanton. Yeah, and I think it's just us living here in New York. We're exposed to it a little bit more. And if you... You watch the games, a lot of it has come down to like pressure situations where Stanton has not been very good. I know we mentioned last week, like with runners in scoring position, with runners in scoring position and two outs, he had not been great. And then he had that Yankee moment where he hit the walk off home run. His signature moment! And he hit a there game tying one yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yes, he did. He did. Yeah, so, so I, I, mean... I just think uh, it, it was like those pressure situations where we saw him failing and we were kind of holding that against him even more so, which doesn't honestly matter for. Power's there, man. Power's there. All right. When we come back, some players and teams you may want to look to bench. You may not have a choice. I get that. But if you do, 
BFF is going to let you know who you want to leave on the bench this week. Stick around. More from Mike, Frank, and me coming on next. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Your your fantasy baseball hour continues here with the BFFs, Frankie Stample, Michael Florio, Greg Sussman. We're hanging out. If you like what you hear, listen to us live every single Monday through Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern. Of course, download us wherever you listening. You're listening to the show. We're anywhere. You can also watch us live on digital every single Monday through Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Wherever you like watching digital stuff, YouTube, Periscope, Twitch. Facebook, we're on them all. And also make sure you subscribe to both this podcast, the Fantasy Baseball Hour and the Fantasy BFF Podcast. Give us a like, leave us a comment, subscribe. And we'll be happy to read your comment on the air. And, you know, mention, give you a shout out because we're very appreciative. I noticed, uh, Florio, that Ben never came and gave us our nun. No, we, were, we have been nunless, and I'm, I'm guessing that the nun is left by now. I haven't seen her walk Check by... To be honest with you, but I think she's gone. Like, I, what are the chances that a nun is here for like two hours? Yeah, I don't see her anymore. Yeah. She's probably got like things to places to be, things to do. You think so? Like, I feel like nuns are kind of just bored all day. I mean, I don't know. We're just mean all day. Well, one of them's mean. One of them. The other two. Her two friends are probably mad nice. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> Makes sense. You might just say mad nice. Yeah, I, I did. Referring to a nun. I did. It's very. <laughs> It's very strange. Uh, when's the last time you heard that, Greg? Greg doesn't use lowbrow <laughs> vocabulary words like that. Are you kidding me? I don't. Frank, Frank, the nuns are mad nice. <laughs> Won't catch Greggy saying that. You will not catch me saying that the nuns are mad nice. The show is mad nice. All right, let's talk about some players to bench, guys. Let's start with the Dodgers because they have seven games. Three of them are against lefties. Here are the hitters that struggle against lefties, according to Michael Florio. Obviously, Jock Peterson, 24 playing appearances. We talked about that last hour. But batting just 125 on the year. Disgusting. Yasiel Puig, you mentioned this, Frank. 197, one home run. What do you do in a situation like this, if you're a Yasiel Puig owner, where they have seven games, which is awesome, but three against lefties, do you look to bench him? Or, hey, well, if telling me three against lefties, that means four against righties. I'll take my shot. Yeah, I mean, I, I think with Puig, he's more of a lock. Like, he's going to play, obviously. So you have a chance at a seven-game week here. Uh, I'm going to still take I'm gonna take that chance with Yasiel Puig. I'm going to leave him in the lineup. But Peterson, you know, he's not even going to play. Like, we know that for a fact. Um, you mentioned he only has the, the 24 at-bats. They're not even giving him the chance to do so. Uh, and, you know, with... 
Yasiel Puig, just getting back to him, he's hitting over 300 in the month of June, 324 to be exact, 984 OPS. Really, I mean, since the start of May, uh, he's really turned it around. In May, he had a 971 OPS as well. So I get that he's struggling against lefties overall, uh, but I just think since he's played hotter, I'll keep him in the lineup, but I will not do the same with Jock. All right, so Jock Peterson out of the lineup for... For Frankie, Yasiel Puig remains in the lineup for him. Mike, let me go over to the Orioles now because they have seven games. They face four lefties, so the majority are lefties here. Jonathan Scope, I called out last hour as one of the biggest busts of the year, betting just 243 with two homers against lefties. You mentioned Mark Trumbo before, 200 with two home runs. Obviously, Chris Davis has been a disaster, and Trey Mancini hasn't been much better. Yeah, for transparency purposes, I don't own any Orioles anywhere, so I don't have to make this decision. Frank um, chose Cole Calhoun over Mark Trumbull. This is part of the reason why. Um, Florio, what are you doing with the Orioles? Yeah, I would, in a points league, I would try and sit all four. Uh, obviously, Chris Davis should be banished. He should not be anywhere near anyone's roster, even in like a 15-team league. Uh, Trumbo is the one I would play, I think, the most out of all these guys because he is hot right now. And power hitters like him, we, we know when they get streaky, they can really you know go on a tear. So he's the one that I would be most inclined to play. And uh, as for uh, Mancini, I'm not really a big boom-boom guy. I know he's been playing a little bit better as of late. I have no problem benching him. But with the Jonathan Scoop, I've got a lot of questions, This, especially the last like day or two on Twitter. Like, yeah. Should I drop him? And I kind of told, I tell everyone the same thing. I'm not dropping him just to drop him. Like, I'm not a guy who, all right, he's been bad for me the first couple months of the season, so I'm just going to drop him to get him off my roster. Okay. But I told everyone, like, if there's a, a guy out there that could give you middle infield or second base production that you like more, I'm okay dropping him. Yeah, I agree with that, too. And if you look at Jonathan Scope's batted ball profile this year, it's really kind of been like an off-on thing for him, like an even-year, odd-year thing. Last year, 36% hard hit rate. This year, 25%. Uh, the year before last year, 2016, 26.6% hard hit rate. That was over 162 games, 647 plate appearances. So a very large sample size. So we've seen years where like his batted ball production fluctuates. Uh, and I mean, not to this level. He's never actually been this bad. He's batting just 204. He's got a 231 BABIP. Uh, those right now would both be um, career lows for him if the season ended today. So I don't think that he's this bad of a player, obviously. But see the infield fly rate up at 24%. Like, his timing is just clearly off this season. I think he'll be better, but I agree with Mike. Like, you, you've got nothing out of him for so long that if you want to try and up your middle infield production and the only way you could do so is to drop him, you really have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with it either. For, Florio's right. Ultimately, it does depend who else is out there? And it's funny because remember a couple of weeks ago, I was having issues at shortstop. Like I was so sick of Jose Peraza. And he winds up getting dropped from my team. I pick up Dansby Swanson instead. And I, I, I pick up Dansby Swanson, and he's terrible also. So much like the move I made earlier that I told you with Jake Junis, I re-picked up Jose Peraza, who stole a base, and the next night stole three more. And I was like, yeah! I love when that happens. You're back on the Jose Peraza train? I'm back on the Jose Peraza train. So here are some uh, middle infielders that are available in my home league for the last seven days. Um, Franklin Barreto. Yep. Probably not dropping some scope for him. Probably not. I want to Franklin Barreto in a second. I don't, all right, we'll, we can do that. Uh, Johan Camargo. Probably not doing that either. Uh, Kike Hernandez. 
which, I mean, if they're playing a lot of lefties, he'll have an opportunity to play, but probably not doing that either. Like, the one that stands out here is Tim Anderson. He's obviously available in my home league because it's a points league. Uh, the plate discipline's not great. Uh, still strikes out a lot, so that's why he's available. Like, that, maybe I can get behind that, Tim Anderson for Jonathan Scope, but, like, these other guys, like, there's not much available, even in a 12-team league, so. There's not. It really does just depend on who's available. You mentioned Franklin Barreto, though, and he was somebody that we picked up um, over this weekend. And he's somebody that I, I've wanted before. This wasn't the week because I wanted. I feel like we've heard about his name, Florio, for quite a long time as a top prospect for the A's, and they've kind of messed with him up and down, up and down, not giving him the proper playing time when he comes up. What is your expectation for him right now? Uh, I think if he was to come up and play really well, even when Matt Chapman returns, because right now they're using Jed Lowry at third base primarily, uh, I think they would have to find a way to get him in this lineup and – you guys know I've been like a the Jed Lowry guy this year. I still think I, he gets traded before the the All Star break because they don't they're not in the race. They don't need a, a aging veteran middle infielder. They need to get Barreto at bats, and he's kind of proven everything he has to at the minor league level so far this year. In very small sample size, he's not hitting for average. He's not walking at all. He's striking out entirely too much, but he is hitting for power. So. That's one thing you like to see out of him. There's a lot of negatives, but that's the one positive is that he's hitting for power. I do think, though, at some point they make a move to get him everyday playing time. Yeah, that makes sense to me as well. I think typically he will be a better Roto League player this year, and I think moving forward, just Mike mentioned the strikeout rate. So if you play in a points league where you lose points for strikeouts, he's going to hurt you there. Uh, this is pretty much in line with the player he was, at least at the minor league level this season. He was striking out nearly 32% of the time. In years past, that was much lower, but it seems like he's kind of becoming like all-or-nothing hitter, just trying to like swing power and try and hit home runs. He does have three home runs over the last week, so that's where I think he can help you, uh, but I don't ever think he's going to be a great batting average either. So short term, it's a little cloudy once Matt Chapman comes back, but I, I think I agree with Mike that they find a way to get rid of Jed Lowry and then see what they have in Franklin Barreto in the second half. Yeah, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. We got to see it, at some point. You have to figure out what he has. He's obviously up right now. Um, it's a matter of time, probably, for Franklin Roda. Yeah, give him a chance. And plus, you need to know, like, if he's the guy or do you want to give Jorge Mateo that shot because a prospect that they acquired from the Yankees. I know the Yankees were trying him out in the outfield as well, so maybe the A's can go that route. But typically, Jorge Mateo was a second-base prospect. So uh, they got to figure out whether Barreto's that guy. And if not, maybe they give an opportunity to Mateo. I don't know if that happens this season, though. One of the other outfielders I mentioned I was considering picking up was Gerardo Parra, and that's because he's been hot for the Rockies. The problem is, the Rockies are on the road all week, and they face three lefties in the six games that they play. That's not good news for Gerardo Parra, who's only batting 183 against them with a home run. Cargo, who's batting 242 against them with a home run. And Tom Murphy's the only catcher that's hitting above 200 against lefties. A lot going on in Colorado. Florio, because they're not playing in Denver, that's probably part of the reason you want to bench a lot of these guys. Yeah, I was surprised when I looked at like Gerardo Parra that his numbers are actually better on the road than they are at home. But again, he has struggled against lefties this year. And I, to me, if you're, half your games are against lefties and he doesn't have the luxury of playing in Coors Field, I'm going to sit him. I'm going to sit Cargo. The only catcher, again, I would trust is Tom Murphy. That, it's part of being a, a, a someone on a fringy Rockies player. You get them in when they have a week like last week, when they're home all week, and you avoid them when they're all, a week like this week when every game's on the road. Yeah, I agree entirely, especially on Gerardo Parra. I mean, he struggled against lefties this year, but that's like right in line with his career as well. Uh, 
career batting average, 243 against lefties, 289 against righties. Uh, the OPS is 150 points lower uh, against left-handed pitching. So, yeah, I think, you know, I got a, a lot of questions recently about Gerardo Parra. Uh, I agree with Mike. You play him when they have weeks against right-handed pitching, when he's home. I think he's more of like a 15-team kind of guy, five outfielders there in Roto. Uh, but in anything shallower than that, I think you just kind of like play the matchups with Gerardo Parra. I think so, too. I wanted to I wanted to take a shot, but this is not the week you do it when he's not home. It's and facing lefties. And facing lefties, obviously. Yes, he's been better on the road. Give me, give me him at home every time. And I, I, we said the same thing. Um, we said the opposite thing, really, uh, about the pitchers in Colorado. I know, uh, was it Kyle Freeland that pitches better at home than he does on the road? It might, might have been Freeland. It might have been somebody else. But I'm still going to always take him on the road than I'm going to at home. Like, I'm, just, I'm never going to trust that stat long term, essentially. And that's the same as it goes for Gerardo Parra. Let me get into the Royals now, who play four lefties in six games this week. Salvador Perez has really struggled as of late against everybody. Batting under 200, he does a four home runs against lefties. Alex Gordon and Lucas Duda also have been brutal against lefties. I know there's nothing, I don't, there's nothing you can really do about any of that because you probably aren't playing Gordon or Duda. Um, Salvador Perez, he's by, if he's a one catcher league, two catcher league, you know, what are you going to do? You know, yeah, there's nothing. And even in a one catcher league, like there might be some catchers available. But again, when we went over the Gary Sanchez injury earlier, uh, just talking about some of the free agents, like these guys aren't great either. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Tucker Barnhart. It's you got some some of the Mets catchers available as well. So it's not great. I think you still take your shot with Salvador Perez. Uh, such a large sample size of him being great in his career. I think he's got to come around. Uh, but the other guys, Alex Gordon, Lucas Duda, those are fringy players, obviously, in deeper leagues. 15 teamers, you know, you could probably find a way to get Alex Gordon out of your lineup, but uh, I'm not sure you could do so. All right, let me give you the teams that have seven games this week, so you know you get them in your lineups. Anaheim, the Los Angeles, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, it's one of the reasons Frankie picked up Cole Calhoun. Seven games for the Angels this week. Seven games for Baltimore as well. Seven for Detroit, seven for Houston. Seven for the Oakland Athletics, seven for the Seattle Mariners as well. As we go to the National League, you have seven games for the Diamondbacks, seven games for the Cubbies, seven games for the Reds, seven games for the Dodgers. It's a big week. Seven games for the Phillies, and that is it. No team has five games this week. As we wrap up June. There you go. And uh, just touching on Cole Calhoun once again, uh, the seven games, six of them are against right-handed pitching, so that obviously helps Cole Calhoun's case as well. The one start is against David Price, who has played much better as of late. But regardless, you're still getting the seven games there. So I like Cole Calhoun. Greg, a name that we haven't spoke about, but perhaps we should bring up similarly to Travis Shaw, is uh, Lorenzo Cain, who is actually battling a groin injury yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, he seems kind of like a fringe-worthy player because if he misses a couple of games, is it worth getting him out of your lineup? Um, so a question I have, I have C.J. Crone in a league. You know he's been struggling, and he faces Max Scherzer this week, Theo Gonzalez, Lance McCullers, Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, and Charlie Morton, all guys who are very good strikeout specialists. Uh, would you play C.J. Crone over Lorenzo Cain? I don't think I would, because um, I think if Lorenzo Cain comes back at some point this week, even if it's not tonight or tomorrow, uh, I think it would benefit you more. As Florio has noted, C.J. Crone doesn't do anything. He barely gets hits. He's had one hit this month. It's not a home run. I would take Cain. Florio? Yeah, in a points league, it's easily Kane for me. If it was a Roto, I would be more inclined to use CJ Chrome because he'll will at least give you the home, the power numbers. That's the format that I've said all along that I like Chrome better in. 
Uh, in a points league, if Kane plays, you know he's going to do a little bit of everything. He's going to get on base at a high clip. He can score runs. He can steal bases. He can do a little bit of everything. And in the league where I told you I have Will Myers and Brandon Nemo, uh, I also have Lorenzo Kane. So not the best uh, outfield situation to be in. And lastly, I have Adam Eaton, who it's kind of gone under the radar. He has not played well since returning from, from the DL. Alan? Yeah, I don't really have <laughs> have much on Adam Eaton. But look, he missed a large chunk of the season. Obviously, we spoke about him. The way he got off to the season was it was a great start for him, but you know he's probably shaking off some rust. Um, he, he was shelved for a really long time. I wouldn't be surprised if he you know, might even still be playing through something as well. But uh, yeah, that is worth monitoring that you know if he hasn't been great, if you're in one of these shallower leagues, uh, then maybe you look to move on from Adam Eaton. Greggy. Yes, sir. I did while we were talking about the Nats. Remember on Friday we said uh, don't don't abandon ship on Daniel Murphy. Yes, we did. He's had a three did. game hitting streak since then, and, and he, including three hits yesterday and two RBIs in each of his last two games. Matter of time for the Murph man, who now has first base eligibility officially, and we were waiting for that. If, if you have a, with five games, some leagues need ten. Okay. For the yeah. quote Murph man, Greg Sussman, his nickname. Is it yes. So if you went to go interview him, Scott Engel style, would you say, uh, hey, Murph, man? I'd probably say, hey, Murph. Hey, Murph. Yeah. All right. You think Scott ever did that? Yes. Daniel Murphy? Yes. Hey, Murph? Yes. Probably. He, he, yeah, I mean, what would you do? You're mini Scott, right? Mini Scott. Mm-hmm. I would not call him Murph, man. Hey, 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 Daniel. Hey, hey, Daniel. May I have a word, please, Daniel? I, I am... I think he'd rather be called Murph than uh, than Daniel. <laughs> but, what, but you know what? He doesn't go by Dan, which is interesting. He's Daniel, right? You know? Yeah. He's not Dan Murphy. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's strange. I don't know. We have to have Scott ask him. Uh, yeah, we should have Scott ask him next time, next time he goes there. Um, we have a minute left. Frank, are there any lineups you want to know about? Any lineups? Uh, hmm. I'll say this, Mike Trout once again DHing tonight yeah. for the Angels batting second. He did test Definitely. his finger out throwing and said it, I believe he said it felt okay. But he's still DHing at least today. Uh, Yankee Do we have the Brewers? Do I have they the Brewers? Are off today. Playing. Brewers are not playing today, so I'm sorry. That would have been nice to know. Lorenzo King. Well, nevertheless, it's been fun filling in for Al Melchior <laughs> the last couple of days. Uh, Al will be back tomorrow for his show. Uh, so will Frank, Mike, and I, but we'll be in. One hour show at our normal time, 2 p.m. Eastern, or whenever you choose to download and listen. You hear that song, that means we're done. Game Morency is up next with Cam Stewart. It's Game Time Decisions Ready and Range. For Frankie Stample and Mike Florio, my name is Greg Seltzer. Thank you so much for listening to Fantasy Best Friends Forever and the Fantasy Baseball Hour. We'll see you tomorrow. We hope. hope.